Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You know, you make a choice to win, and you win. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry, winning. You starting to get the concept now? What is up, TFA fam? Hope you're all doing well. Today, Kevin and I, were bringing good vibes only. We're talking about winners from the 2021 NFL Draft. Stock up, value up, however you want to think about these guys. We're talking about guys that we're feeling good about, that are in good spots, and we think got that value bump following the draft. If you rocked with us during the uh, during our draft shows, during the live streams, we appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Huge shout out to everyone who came through and helped us out and everyone who was uh, in the chat holding it down. We uh, we appreciate you guys. So, Kev, we're just going to have a little little open discussion here, talk about some of these guys from the, you know, from a winning perspective. We cannot sit here and talk about, you know, winners and these rookie running backs without talking about motherfucking Michael Carter. Gotta talk about him. I, I think he was absolutely a winner coming out of this. Uh, you know, especially for someone who got the the day three capital. He was someone who I was looking forward to. I put out a video about, you know, wanting to see him go early. There were a couple of those teams who had picks who had a, a running back need. The Jets were one of them. They took him. And now he lands on a depth chart that, you know, he could very easily be at the top of by the time the season begins. I mean, you're looking at Tevin Coleman. Uh, Michael P. Ryan, who was uh, another rookie they took last year, and then what Ty Johnson or, or someone still hanging around there. The, it is really easy to see him. And like I said about Michael Carter the entire time, he's not a running back who you're going to just feed 22 to 25 touches per game. So he could end up splitting with the, a couple of these guys, but he could very easily be on the, the upper side of a 50 50 split with this backfield. And they moved up to take uh, Elijah Vera Tucker in the first. They obviously have Mekhi Becton. They added, you know, uh, Corey Davis in the offseason. So I think this is a, a really good spot for Michael Carter to go to. And I definitely think that he is a winner. But I think because of the the stench of the New York Jets and just kind of the, the uncertainty, I think I, I, w- I wouldn't feel comfortable having him as my RB2, but like as like an RB3 you know what I mean? Someone who's going to fall a little bit. I don't think he's going to get the bump that some of these other guys like an ETN or Javante Williams are going to get. So I think he's going to be a relatively good value for your redraft leagues as well. And again, I can see him being that, you know, 55, you know, 60% kind of uh, running back in this backfield. Yeah, I mean, like, like you already mentioned, this backfield isn't like, uh, you know, anything that really scares you. Tevin Coleman, who, uh, you know, got kind of underwhelmed last year in San Francisco, and then, you know, LaMichael P. Ride, who they just drafted, Josh Adams, who's kind of bounced around a little bit with Philadelphia. And now here, like, I definitely agree. Like, there is uh, an immediate path to touches, and there's nobody, like, there's no big name that's in front of him that's really blocking him. So I do like Michael Carter, but I don't think he's going to go that high. I mean, I think you could probably take him as your RB4, RB5 at the, at, you know, depending yeah. on how your roster turns out, because I think he ends up being probably 10th, 11th round pick in redraft leagues. And, 
I, I think that's tremendous value there for a guy like that. Somebody you kind of stash away and, you know, see how this thing plays out. Now, obviously things could change. If we get into training camp and he's announced the starter, then I think that changes a little bit, but I, I don't foresee that being the case. I think there's probably a better chance that Tevin Coleman probably starts the year as a starter, that veteran presence here with, with Zach Wilson. But with my, because I will say as well with them having uh, a rookie quarterback, I mean, Michael Carter was not very good in pass pro. So I think at the very least, he, he's on he's on the field as a third down back. And so I, at the very least, in PPR formats, I think he's definitely going to be viable. But I think somebody that kind of, you know, as the season goes on, that maybe could earn more of an opportunity, ended up taking over in the second half of the season. So definitely a late round guy. Um, there's a couple more guys I want to hit on before we can probably jump to another position. But so the, the last thing I want to talk about uh, was Ch- Chuba Hubbard. And all of a sudden now we're starting to get a little positive vibes around Chuba Hubbard landing in Carolina. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's there. Christian McCaffrey's going to be the workhorse. But as kind of that late-round sleeper guy who you want to stash on your bench like a handcuff if you wanted to, because you know Christian McCaffrey has the same results as last year and gets hurt, he is going to be the guy. They have nobody else on that roster. He is the RB2 in that backfield. And so this, there's a real chance – that he could end up taking over that backfield if anything were to happen to Christian McCaffrey again. So, like, I felt like at least for him, he has that immediate opportunity to really take over. Now, I think there's a couple other guys that we could talk about that weren't rookies that that we that really were winners, and that is Miles Gaskin, that is Chase Edmonds, too, and that is Mike Davis. I can't believe we're talking about Mike Davis again, but here we are. He is right now the lead back of Atlanta. Miles Gaskin is looking like the lead back in, in Miami, and Chase Edmonds is going to be battling out with off-injured James Conner. Yeah, I mean, all, all those I, – I I didn't think that any – I thought Chase Edmonds had the best chance out of this group to survive the draft, but I still thought uh, Arizona would do something. They did They did nothing. And then, the, the obviously, the, the other two as well. Like, I thought, I thought there was no way with Arthur Smith coming in there – you know, with, with his history of what we've seen so far with having Derrick Henry be the focal point of that offense in Tennessee, that they were just they were gonna come out of this draft with Mike Davis as the guy. And that's that's literally what we have. So I mean we we had him and then Gaskin also also as well. Like those were all teams that I think a lot of us thought that they were gonna add something at some point. And they and they they did they did nothing. So I mean they they absolutely have to be winners. I'm really curious to see where their their ADP falls, and like you said, we're you know we're going to start getting back into you know updating our rankings next week, so we'll we'll have a, a much better feel for that. But w- what ranges are, do you think you'll be looking at those guys by the time we roll around to you know August, whenever our drafts start to kick off? I think Chase Edmonds, because of the presence of James Conner, they they probably kind of kill each other's value in terms of where people view them, and so I think both of them. I think Chase Edmonds gets actually drafted before James Conner, um, which I think is the right call. But I think that probably both of them wind up fourth, fifth round. Uh, I think James Conner could possibly sixth, seventh, eighth round, somewhere in that range. Um, but then in terms of Miles Gaskin, like we should like Miles Gaskin for everything that he was able to do last year. And they, that team just got better. The offense is better now. Um, you know, I we you, you say what you want about Tua, uh, you know, as as a quarterback, like. He is for me, like, it's kind of like I'm on the edge with of how I feel about him. But I will say that you have to, you know, throw in the fact that he was coming off a major injury. He really wasn't supposed to play last year. He got rushed into, you know, rushed into action when he probably shouldn't have. And so 
I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Miami did a really good job this offseason of surrounding him with, with weapons, with Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, who they drafted. So Miles Gaskin is in a terrific spot. Like, and Miles Gaskin played really well last year. So I think I would view Miles Gaskin as like a solid RB2 right now. I would I would put him ahead of the the second year, you know, some of the second year running backs. You know, he's not going ahead of, of J.K. Dobbins. He's not going ahead of Cam Akers or Clyde edwards helaire and all those guys. He would be behind those guys, but I think I'd probably have him off just probably RB20, RB21, somewhere right around there right now. Possibly could have him a little bit higher. And then Mike Davis, I probably have him a little bit lower than that. Probably RB22, RB23. I, I do think there's a chance that Atlanta adds another running back here. And Carry on Johnson was released uh, just a little bit ago. And I think he could be somebody that they pick up and add. I mean, Carry on Johnson is only 24 years old. So he's definitely still has something left in the tank here. It's a, a guy that maybe could uh, go on to another situation now that he has gone from Detroit. And Atlanta could be a perfect landing spot for him. Yeah, I still think a couple of these teams could be in the in the free agent market for sure. Even with the addition of somebody, you know, like the, the names that are still out there. Well, like Lev Bell, Duke Johnson, Todd Gurley, you know, unless someone is like cut or traded, I still think these guys will retain most of their most of their value. Before we kick it over to, you know, some other positions, I did want to go back real quick and touch on a quarterback who I thought came out a winner after this. That was Sam Darnold. I don't think anyone would have really batted an eye if they would have taken Justin Fields at the point that they took, uh, you know, J.C. Horn because they, they only gave up a second, which, I mean, it's it's not a day three pick, but in terms of quarterback, like giving up a second for someone who could be the, you know, your, your franchise guy, that's 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 nothing to, to give up in the grand scheme of things. And we've seen teams, you know, more recently be willing to spend high capital on guys whenever they have, you know, either the a, a big contract wrapped up or high draft capital. So the fact that, you know, they that they didn't, you know, add a quarterback, they picked up his fifth year option, added Terrace Marshall, they added a lineman at some point too to, to help out in that offensive line, added uh, Tommy Tremble to, you know, to, to that group as well. Obviously getting back Christian McCaffrey. I think he was someone who came out as a uh, as a big winner for me outside of the uh, outside of the rookies. Yeah, no, I definitely agree here with that. I think that when you kind of look at him and what they were able to do um, with this draft class last year, they were all defense. This year, they pretty much went uh, the majority of offense here, and I think they did a really good job. I mean, he is surrounded now uh, Sam Darnold. I mean, Sam Darnold has no excuse to fail now. If he fails, it's on Sam Darnold, and they can move on from that. I was surprised they didn't take a quarterback. I felt like what Justin Fields fell to them, that you thought that maybe they would take him there. Um you know, and let them sit for a year, see what they have in Sam Darnold, and possibly say trade Sam Darnold. But with them, with them holding on to him, I mean, Sam Darnold's pretty much the guy now for the next two years. And they have DJ Moore, and even though Robbie Anderson is in his last year of his deal, he's there. They have you know Terrace Marshall. I like the Tommy Triple pick. Dan the Man, Dan Arnold's still there. Christian McCaffrey. So there's a lot of weapons here um, now for Sam Darnold. So you know. It, this is an opportunity for Sam Darnold to you know really see what he's got and see what the Adam Gase um, effect was here. So I, I definitely agree. I think he's somebody you know two quarterback leagues you could definitely could be looking at as your second quarterback, or you know if you want to take a shot on him, you know depending on what because the, their defense is still going to be trash. They're going to have to throw the ball, and with the amount of weapons, it's going to be really hard for Sam Darnold to fail. So I like I like what the Panthers did in this year's draft, and I think they did a really good job of surrounding him with weapons. So uh, I, I like that call. I, I hate to be the 
you know, no one's really talking about this guy as a winner guy, but that's exactly what I'm going to do right here. And we were just talking about the Chiefs. I feel like that no one's talking about Clyde edwards Ware as a sneaky winner after the draft. They added Orlando Brown. Creed Humphrey fell into your laps. There were a lot of us who thought that, you know, the, the Chiefs were a lock to take, you know, uh, someone to help them in the passing game. You guys didn't add anybody until Noah Gray, you know, the, the tight end who's going to be definitely sitting behind Travis Kelsey. And then Cornell Powell, who, let's face it, if he were getting the draft capital he got and went to almost any other offense, we really wouldn't be talking about him. Would it surprise me if Cornell Powell contributed, you know, as your you know wide receiver kind of two or like the, the fourth option in that offense? It wouldn't surprise me. But, you know, I, I think a lot of us were – you know, round two, round three kind of capital to, to add a pass catcher. And I think that means, you know, between the offensive line and not really adding anybody who's going to come in and be expected to contribute right away, I'm I'm hoping at least, maybe this is me, you know, kind of talking myself into this, but I think we could see more passing game invo- involvement for Clyde entering year two. And I, I, I think he is a sneaky winner. Like I said, I I, I hate the people who are on Twitter always saying like, dude, no one's talking about this, but I genuinely feel like nobody's talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire as a, as a sneaky winner. And I, you know, between that and his, you know, his draft stock where it is right now, I love Clyde going into year two. I 100% agree. And it's not because I am a Chiefs fan. It's because you are 100% right. The Chiefs absolutely number one priority this offseason was to rebuild that offensive line. They were not going to have another year like last year. What we watched in the Super Bowl with Pat Mahomes just getting abused every single time he dropped back. The Chiefs completely gutted their offensive line and did a masterful job in doing and retooling it in such a short period of time. Orlando Brown was, was an excellent pickup. Joe Tooney. And it wasn't even that. Getting Creed Humphrey, who is likely going to be the starting center, there's a chance that it could be Austin Blythe, who's another guy that they picked up. They have they have probably the most depth now of any offensive line in, in the in, in it's football. Insane. Because now they've they, they they added Jake Long, who can play tackle guard. They added um, they brought back Mike Rimmers, which I don't love. Lucas Niang was actually going to be was in talks of being their starting left tackle or right tackle. Before, before they traded for Orlando Brown, and he's likely going to be the starting right tackle for them or Mike Rivers. Also, they're getting uh, LDT back, uh, Laurent uh, Duvernay-Tardif, who sat out last year to fight COVID because he's also a doctor. He's getting him back it's at right guard. such a bonkers story, by, by the yes. way. And then they went and just might have had the steal of the draft with getting Trey Smith in the sixth round, which might not be a familiar name for a lot of people, but he had a second-round grade by a lot of people. But he had a medical issue. I think it was something um, – I can't remember exactly what it was, but he had, he had a medical issue. Teams were scared away. So the Chiefs' offensive line is absolutely loaded. And you're right. So now he, he goes from last year running behind one of the worst offensive lines because they were, they were injured, and now you put him behind – this wall uh, that, that they're going to have. And I think it's wheels up for Clyde Hilaire. And I agree. Everybody else is talking about Cam Akers, how much they love about him and everything else. And I think that people are missing the boat that 
I think right now, I mean, you could really, if you put Clyde Emergency Laird in your top 12, I don't, I'm not mad at that, but people are going to pause at it and have, have, have reservations because they burn them last year because I, and people are going to be like, no, I can't mess with that guy. That guy's terrible. He burnt me last year. I took him early, but the good news is you're not going to have to take him early. You can take him late second, early third round of, of, of your redraft league. That, that, that value is baked in there now. And he's absolutely has top 12 upside. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Just another running back real quick. We won't go too too in depth with this, but another one who I feel like, you know, you could look at as a winner coming out of the draft was Austin Eckler. Obviously with uh Rashawn Slater falling into their laps, they they added uh in, in the offseason, so not necessarily in the draft, but in the offseason they added guys like Corey Lindsley and Matt Filer. And then uh, you know the the only thing they added in terms of, you know, pass catching was, you know, Josh Palmer, who was a little bit of a surprise as, as early as he went to them. So I think Austin Eckler could, you know, can come out of this looking like a, a winner as well. And we saw what happened last year with, you know, the the running backs that they were trying to split touches with, you know, with him. Justin Jackson is someone who I really like, but he hasn't been able to put it together. Then guys like Joshua Kelly, like we we saw that, uh, those victory laps be very short-lived for for his truthers were out there. So someone who, again, you know, we know we can, what he can do from a PPR standpoint. Now I feel like that offensive line is fortified as well. And then, you know, if Justin Herbert can take, you know, continue what he showed us last year, should be wheels up for Austin Eckler as well. So I really like him. Uh, were there any other running backs that, uh, that you want to touch on before we move to some of these wide receivers? No, I do think it's interesting with uh, Elijah Mitchell, who went late sixth round, but very athletic guy. He also went to San Francisco, which uh, people are probably wondering why we're not talking about Trey Sermon, but that might be coming up in a separate video. But I, I did find it interesting. Uh, you know, Larry Roundtree, hey, Mizzou, went to uh, well, is in uh, there with the Chargers. So if Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly can't pan out, who knows? Maybe Larry Roundtree gets a chance. But I think that's pretty much it, though, for the running back. Kenny Gainwell, I was I was kind of sad that he went to uh, Philly because I do think Miles Sanders remains. I know what we're going to hear from everybody is that Kenny Gainwell is going to take over the job from, from Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders is dead because everybody's going to do this with the rookies. The people that hate Miles Sanders is going to use this as a victory lap. I think Miles Sanders still probably assumes 60 70% of the touches in this backfield. And I think Kenny Gainwell will probably follow up. And Boston Scott is really the guy who's dead. So another cliffhanger here. One of us will be talking about Miles Sanders in the next episode that we do. Uh for for me, for the for the wide receivers, I mean, let's 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 just start off at the top. We we have we have to start off here. AJ Brown. Like uh, maybe not necessarily a you know a winner per se uh, because you know it's, it's not like they really did anything with uh, with the offensive line or you know what I mean a, an upgrade with Ryan Tannehill, but this was another team like the Chiefs where we were like okay they're they're going to add somebody of note here early on in the draft they they did add Des Fitzpatrick which was another kind of like you know surprise pick that they added but then other than that it's, it's Josh Reynolds. 
So, you know, we could finally be looking at a, a point with, with AJ Brown where he is just like, he, it's, it's going to be a buffet of targets, right? Like he's literally going to get all that he can handle because there's just, there, there's nothing else there. And I know there are some people who are, you know, excited about Anthony Ferkser. You know, he, he survived the, survived the draft as well, but I mean, this is going to be A.J. Brown season. So for all the people who were talking about A.J. Brown as, you know, wide receiver one and this, that, and the other, hey, get get your running shoes on, take some victory laps, get ready for all the glory. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy that last year, you know, out of his two years, last year he had 106 targets. They're like, he could be one of, you know, we're, we're having fewer and fewer of these wide receivers as the years go on. But he could be one of the wide receivers that we're looking back at, you know, 12 months from now and be, you know, be one of two or three receivers who's getting 160, 170 targets because there's literally just nothing else there. We know Derrick Henry is a zero in the passing game. Get out of here with the, the videos, videos of him run, running those routes and, you know, working on his pass catching. Stop it. It's A.J. Brown season. He like Like I said, Put put the put the little uh, napkin around your neck, get your fork and your knife, and and be prepared to just eat all the targets you can handle, Mister Brown. Yeah, I think he has a legitimate wide receiver one, like the wide receiver one the, upside. Yes, like I think they very well could be a Devontae Adams situation of last year, where he just sees all the targets and the dude's super explosive. I mean, he was already super efficient last year, and so. I 100% agree. I think it's A.J. Brown's season. I mean, there, there's nobody else there for them to throw, really throw the ball to. So, you know, unless you're going to talk yourself into Josh Reynolds, which I'm not. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm good on that. So I think he's definitely a winner here in terms of, you know, the guys that uh, didn't have anybody else uh, drafted to them. So um, I definitely agree there. I think another winner that you brought up that uh, should be highlighted more, I think Josh Palmer. I like that pick for them. He is a super interesting player. And not a guy who got really any hype at all during this this draft season. And I think he's a guy that a lot of people just didn't really talk about, didn't really move the needle for a lot of people. But I think that he has the the the, the chance, at the very least, to be the wide receiver three here with the Chargers. But I think there's a chance that he could end up, you know, possibly, you know, Mike Williams gets hurt or anything happens here where he's the wide receiver two with Justin Herbert. So I think at the very least, I think this is a really good landing spot for for him. And I know a lot of people were kind of like scratching their heads and kind of running around because like, wait, what? What? Josh Palmer? What? What is he doing getting drafted here? Uh, so I, I like the pick, and I think it's a really good fit for them. Uh, kind of a sneaky pick. Um, another guy that I liked that I thought was a real winner was Terrace Marshall going to Carolina. Uh, he kept falling and falling and falling, and we saw Dwayne Eskridge and fucking Tutu Atwell go ahead of him. I'll never understand those picks going ahead of Terrace Marshall, but you know, again, I, I don't. We don't have access to those medicals that that apparently they're scared some teams away. So I don't know about those things, but I think this is a great landing spot for him this year plus beyond. I think he can be uh, a really big part of this offense uh, this year. And if anything happens to Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore, I mean DJ Moore got banged up last year. He's kind of gotten banged up the last two years. If these guys miss time, he's automatically going to be the that. Uh, be that number two wide receiver. But we saw last year they were kind of able to support three wide receivers relatively um, with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. So I think Terrace Marshall can definitely eat here. And this was a really good landing spot. I'm happy this is where he landed. And I think this could be a, a spot where kind of teams look back. I mean, if you look at DK Metcalf 
um, a couple of years ago, whenever he was kind of falling, the Chiefs took McCole Hardman over him. No, that never gets talked about, uh, by the way, either, because all the stuff that's happened, you know, how well the Chiefs have played. And this is a different right. situation. We'd probably be talking about this because the Chiefs drafted McCole fucking Hardman over DK Metcalf. And that happened. Straight, but, straight uh, it up. Then they trade up for yes, Hardman. Yes, they traded up to get McCole Hardman over when DK Metcalf was on the board. So uh, I, I think this could be a similar situation here for Terrace Marshall. I like this landing spot for him. The last winner I have, the last guy I'm going to talk about is Amonra St. Brown. He goes to a situation where there's literally, you know, get, get your binoculars out. Look, look, look around. There is nothing on that depth chart. I mean, you're looking at Tyra Williams, Prashad Perriman, Khalif Raymond, and, you know, in terms of the, the wide receiver room. It, of course, DeAndre Swift is going to get his targets. Hawkinson's going to get his targets. But in the middle of the field, I, I think uh, Amonra St. Brown has a chance to lead at least the wide receivers in targets. That defense is still going to be trash no matter what they added to it and, you know, free agency and then with, with, uh, with the drafts as well. So I think Amonra St. Brown in terms of, you know, a, a, a volume and a target perspective, especially with him not going until day three, I think he came out of this as a, as a winner. I was surprised to see him slip that far. I thought he was a day two kind of guy. Not necessarily sexy, but one of these guys who I felt, you know, could step on an NFL field as is today right now and be, you know, be in a, be in a spot to, to produce. Like I said, he's, he's going to be a slot guy. They obviously need that with, you know, Perriman and Tyrell Williams. I can't believe that that's their, we're literally talking about that as their starting trio. Perriman, Tyrell Williams, and Amara St. Brown. But I, I think he came out a winner just in terms of a, you know, a, a target volume perspective. Yeah, as you're right, I mean, there's nothing else there. Uh, TJ Hawkinson has to feel pretty good about himself because that man is going to see a lot of targets. But I do like Amonra St. Brown. Um, I think he's probably some guy that you could probably get 12, 13th round of your drafts. And I think it makes some sense there with that team. That, that defense is going to be terrible. They're going to throw the ball a ton. So I also think Rondell Moore is a, as, a, as a really winner here, going to Arizona, going to, you know, hopefully a coach that will know how to use him in space to kind of, you know, use him in all, all quadrants of the field. And, you know, while it, I guess you could say it's a crowded wide receiver room, it's not a crowded wide receiver room with a lot of talent. Uh, it's DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, who's an alpha. Um, but, you know, you have Christian Kirk, who we continue and continue to wait on to break out, and this just doesn't look like it's going to happen. They brought in A.J. Green, who is 46 years old, who's going to be signing up for AARP here soon. Um, so Rondo Moore, I think, could see a lot of targets here in this offense, and we know that this team wants to do a lot of four wide receiver sets, and now they have all this, all these wide receivers. So, I think Rondo Moore is a really interesting guy, super athletic, and I think they, they're going to be able to you know, utilize him to the best of his ability here. So I like that pick for them, and I think that he is somebody that I don't think is going to go as high as people uh, probably would think. I think he could probably get him probably eighth, ninth round, tenth round, something like that. Um, and I think that's, that's tremendous value for him on an offense with Kyler Murray. Yeah, Rondell Moore is absolutely a, a winner. He was someone who we were talking about, like, you know, going to have to land the right offense, someone who's going to scheme touches and yada, yada, yada. Look no further than Cliff Kingsbury. Like, I think we're still waiting on, you know, what we thought we were getting with Cliff Kingsbury. I think Rondell Moore can do 
more than what he was asked to do at Purdue. Like I think he can be used more as a down the field kind of receiver with the athleticism he has. But even if not, if you're looking at someone who's going to work the intermediate levels of the field in the screen games, jet sweeps, that sort of thing, hopefully we get, like I said, what we thought we were getting with Cliff outside of just the the four wide receiver sets. And like you said, it, it may seem crowded on paper, but whenever you get down to it, it's really D-hop and then, you know, a, a bunch of shoulder shrugs. So I, I, I do really like that for Rondell Moore. I'm glad you brought him up. And I know you had one more guy you want to talk about, so go ahead and uh, let's let's talk about him, and then we'll close out the show. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody, and I mean, I don't know if I'd say it's a winner, but it's so much as like a Kyle Pitts because I think he's going to be somebody that we talk a lot about over the offseason and kind of where he where he should go and um, is he being overdrafted? Because you know, on one hand, we know that that rookie tight ends tend to struggle the year one, and I know people like to bring up guys. Uh, that have like O.J. Howard, David Njoku, who didn't really fire. But I'm going to be honest, like, I, I'm going to have no doubt about it. He is going to be ranked inside my top five of redraft tight ends, okay? Going to Atlanta, this is an excellent landing spot, especially if they trade Julio Jones. But, it, you know, because he's got that target share is going to go skyrocketing up. But even if even if Julio is still there, Julio is not going to be a guy who's going to play 100% of the snaps. Probably more falls in the line of 60, 70% of the snaps for Julio. And I think he is definitely going to – in everything you need to know what they think about Hayden Hurst, who, who is still there, they declined his fifth-year option. So clearly he's out the door. And so there's nothing – Hayden Hurst is not going to stop Kyle Pitts. And like I said, Kyle Pitts is not a tight end. He's a wide receiver who's designated as a tight end. Like – I know some people are going to think the top five is hot and too high and they can't take it. And that's what people are going to regurgitate is we have, we have never seen a tight end put up monster numbers or we rarely do year one, which is true. But Kyle Pitts is not your typical tight end. Like I said, he is a wide receiver. If he was a wide receiver, he would have been drafted in the first round, probably in the top 15 picks. Okay. He is that damn good. And so I'm not passing up on an opportunity to take Kyle Pitts, especially a redraft. Listen, once you get past the top three or four guys anyways, it is a fucking crapshoot no matter what. And so give me the guy with that type of ceiling and Kyle Pitts in that offense with Matt Ryan, with Calvin Ridley, and an offense that threw for 4,600 yards last year, 26 touchdowns, with Calvin Ridley there, with a shit defense still. Give me Kyle Pitts. I don't know if, where you come in on him, uh, but definitely Kyle Pitts. Yeah, top top five for sure. And I, I think the most important thing you said there at the end is like after the top three or so, it's an absolute crapshoot. You know, we, we thought, you know, last year and the year before that the tight end landscape was starting to look a little better. We got all excited about it. You know, we made a couple shows about like, hey, this could be the year. It's never the year. Kyle Pitts is a is a unicorn. He's a freak. Well, you know what? I, I like you said, I, I get the the stats and, you know, rookie tight ends and this, that and the other. We, we have never seen somebody like like Kyle Pitts. There's a reason why he was taken at four overall on a team that, quite frankly, is looking way closer to a rebuild than they are a, a true Super Bowl contender. You know, they, they could have went a lot of different ways there, and they still took Kyle Pitts, you know, at, at tight end. So that is going to wrap things up for us tonight. We appreciate you guys checking out another edition of the Fantasy Authority podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rate and review on your podcast platforms. We really appreciate it. Going to have a bunch of content coming out now that we're past the draft. 
going to have a bunch of dynasty stuff. We're going to get back into, you know, maybe some best ball or some live drafts. We're going to do some of that for you guys. So we'll make sure, you know, make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. We'll throw out a link so you guys can join us live for, for some of these drafts. We'll probably do them on Underdog, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll live stream those as well. We'd love to get some of the, the TFA fam in with us for, for these live drafts. So until the next time, for myself, for Kev, we'll talk to you all soon. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.